Sports Ethos New York Nick Podcast. Andre Gallibur, and they did it again. They did it again. Blue Washington now. Blue Philly out. This pure insanity was going on right now with uh, with OG joining the squad, changing everything. Pure insanity. And listen, give RJ credit. RJ saw how well the Knicks were playing. He went out in Golden State. His second game in Toronto wasn't that hot. Went out against Golden State and cooked them. And cooked them. And you're going to hear a lot of silly Knicks fans saying, look, they started RJ at a shooting guard, man. Golden State plays a small team. And RJ took full advantage. Give him credit. Give the coach credit. That's what RJ can do sometimes. Hit a bunch of threes. Then he was five or six at some point during that game. I didn't finish. I didn't watch it. I didn't look at the box score after the second half. He had 26 in his first half. Give him credit, man. Yeah, to me, I don't. Part of me wants to root against RJ Barrett because the fans are so toxic. Like RJ wasn't here for years, being a negative player. He was a negative player, literally. And the whole, the next thing, use him right stuff, who cares? Like, be a star in your role. It's the same thing with Cam Reddish. You don't hear much talk about him anymore, do you? Do you? The same thing with Obi Toppin. You've heard that Obi talk quiet down a little bit too, right? He got benched, comes, comes off the bench. He's pretty much doing the same thing. He's shooting better. Give him credit. But with... And you got to say, with the best point guard in the league, the best passer, at least, passing point guard in the league, he's getting a bunch of layups and a bunch of open shots. Give him credit. But he wasn't going to be able to, to, to help the Knicks because the Knicks need you to play defense. And he doesn't play it. So, and you saw it. He's still worth maybe two second-round draft picks. Right? And why would you trade over for two seconds? They did it for him. And that's all he's worth. That's all he's worth. Okay? Could have traded RJ maybe to three or four other teams. Traded him home. Could have traded IQ to be a backup point guard somewhere else. Traded him to a place where he could start. You think the organization is playing checkers and they're playing chess? You think that they're using and abusing the players, and they're not. RJ gave the Knicks his heart and soul here. They took care of him. Obi gave the Knicks his heart and soul. They took care of him. They just weren't good enough. Knicks got an opportunity to, to bring in a DeJounte Murray in theory. Maybe even a Donovan Mitchell. They can't do that if they give quickly $25 million. It's not a question of whether or not he's worth it or not. The question is, is he worth it to the team that he is on? And the team that he is on can't afford to pay him $25 million. They can only afford to pay that to a guy who gives them everything they need. Everything a $25 million, $30 million a year player is supposed to give you. And quickly, he's not that guy. Not that backup point guard. Just not. So God bless those guys. All I know is that OG couldn't put the ball in the basket on Friday or whatever day it was. 
and he is a plus 85 in these four games as an A. A plus 85. A plus 85. Now, this is a short sample size, small sample size. You don't know how long it's going to last. You know, you're hoping for the best. No question. This guy, without even putting the ball in the basket, has had a positive effect on the team. Period. And let's not spend a lot of time on, on a, especially on RJ, a guy who was here for years and couldn't play to a positive. When you got a guy who's been here for five minutes and can. And you got to give kudos to the Knicks for finding these kinds of players. They did it with Josh Hart. They did it with OG. They had their head up their butts when they got Fournier and, and Kemba Walker. We talked about that a million times. But they got smart. And I touched on it the last episode, man. The joy that Julius Randle is playing with is palpable. I don't understand it. It is a complete difference from before the trade. I don't care what anyone says. He wasn't playing. He wasn't laughing and joking and smiling the whole game. He wasn't doing it. He was walking around with a sourpuss all the time. And I'm talking about even when he was playing well. He was walking around with a sourpuss. Right now, he's playing with a whole lot of joy, and it's not unnoticed. It's not unnoticed. And I want to know what that's about. And let me play some comments from Monica McNutt, who does the pre and post for the Knicks. And she uh, was filling in doing the radio uh, color for the Knicks. She does uh, an excellent job. Monica was on it. And if you were watching the broadcast, I'm telling you, if you were watching, it was like she was trying to telepathically tell you there's been a difference here in this locker room. And, and she's telepathically sending the message that maybe, just maybe, there were players or a player who was not doing that when he was here. Maybe it was the guy who was playing to a minus. Maybe. And kudos to the Knicks and the, and the organization. They protected. If this is what was going on, they protected their locker room all this time. And you can have brothers. You can have a guy who's your brother who's screwing up all the time. He's like, that's my brother, but he's really stupid. That's why I love him, though. But he's a dummy. And, of course, I'm not saying RJ's a dummy or, or even IQ, but I'm saying that if you watched RJ over the years and you don't have to be a basketball genius to see he plays selfishly sometimes and he didn't make the right pass. I think I, I, think I documented a play where RJ got a, got a pass from Dante. Uh, he, Dante was in the paint. He kicked it out to RJ. RJ had a quick maybe look for three. It was a hard closeout. As all of this was happening, Dante passed the ball to RJ and relocated 
to the corner. RJ was at the wing, the same wing. Dante went relocated to the corner and was basically at the corner by the time RJ looked at the basket, decided that he didn't have a shot. Dante was at that corner, putting his feet behind the line. Wide open, not a soul around him. And the sole defender in the area was up on RJ, scaring him off the jump shot. The pass was Dante. There's no reason to have not to have seen Dante be open. You just saw Dante penetrate to the basket. He threw you the ball. You saw him rel- relocate to the corner, the same side that you're on. There's no way you don't see him. He puts the ball on the floor. And then it's like he was going to pass it after that one dribble. But he got fouled because that guy was like, I'm not letting Dante shoot that open three from the corner. And Dante was was visibly frustrated. Jumped up and down. You don't see that a lot from the Knicks. He was angry. He was angry. And I don't blame him. There was no excuse for that. It was an easy pass, an easy look. And you, the only reason why you didn't pass it is because you had in your mind you wanted to do something else. You were gonna pass it, but you had to you had to you had to succumb to your instinct to do something else first. And then it was like, oh, I don't got it, so let me pass it. There was no other reason. And if there was, let's say, oh, let me let me really get this defender out of the out of the play and take this one dribble away from him and then pass it back. If that let's say that was his mindset. Well, that's stupid. Just passing the ball. No excuse. RJ was shipped out of here right after that, not long after it. Now, you've heard me talk about the timing of that trade being right before the Pacer game, in between back-to-backs, almost a guaranteed guaranteed uh, loss that they put on the schedule right there for themselves. And you saw Woj's report. He said the Knicks in Toronto have been talking about OG for a long time. And when Toronto finally says yes, you don't say, oh, hold up. Let's wait. You don't do that. You just, you take it. They were happy to take that deal. And just by that response, you can tell there was no hesitation from the Knicks in taking that deal. And it opens up a lot in their own minds for what they want to do going forward. And you saw Taj Gibson was cut yesterday. And... Clearly, it was done as to open up a roster spot for Fred Katz. Fred Katz reported this, but I don't think it was. I mean, maybe you didn't know exactly why they did it. I I doubt that they were going to cut Taj Gibson because of his play. So there was clearly a reason. Uh, His contract was going to be guaranteed, I believe, today. They cut him before the contract got guaranteed, and I'm sure they're going to take care of him. They love Taj Gibson. Uh, I'm sure the players in the organization will keep Taj around in some way if they can, but they want to keep the roster spot open because there's some trades incoming. There's a trade incoming. We might as well dive into them. I'm not going to waste my time on some of the guys I don't think are, are good. First of all, let's start with a trade I saw pop up on my timeline today, reported trade. Let me see if I can pull it up in the next 30 seconds because I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time looking for it. There was 
there was a trade that said, I think it was DeJounte Murray and Clint Capella for Grimes, Fournier, Mitchell Robinson, and um, a bunch of picks. I would just say, I first saw that deal and I was like, oh, hell no. I'm going to say a few things. Let's start. Let's start with Hartenstein because I almost almost didn't do the Hartenstein stuff I wanted to do. Let's do some Hartenstein. Because Isaiah Hartenstein, since Mitchell Robinson, Mitchell Robinson went down, 16-game stretch, is... Third in the NBA in offensive rebounds. Fourth in total rebounds. Seventh in steals. Seventh in blocks. Ahead of Miles Turner, by the way, and Jaron Jackson. Arnstein has posted the third highest plus minus among all centers, trailing only two-time MVP, Nikola and reigning MVP, Joel Embiid. In 16 games since Mitch Robb went down, the Knicks have outscored their opponents by 135 points. In the 526 minutes, Hartenstein has been on the floor. Incredibly, they've been outscored by 94 points. In 242 minutes, he's been on the bench. This comes courtesy of the great Tommy Bear, who broke these Hartenstein stats down. I think he did it just for me. Just for me. He said, during the Knicks' current four-game winning streak, Hartenstein is averaging 10 points, 69% shooting, 13.5 rebounds, two and a half, two, actually three assists, 2.3 steals. Three blocks per at b-ball reference span data, which dates back to 1996. He's the first Nick to average at least 10 points, 13 rebounds, two steals, and three blocks over any four-game stretch. I'm just going to very cautiously say, because it's, it's a relatively short Sample size. I told you. I sat right here on this show and I tried to tell you that the stats without Mitch Robb last year were a little misleading. I tried to tell you that Hartenstein's stats last year were a little misleading. Started the season off slow. Mitch Robb's stats were before the Knicks made rotation changes that turned the season around, before Knicks traded for Josh Hart. They were a little misleading. Not to say that Mitch Robinson is not awesome. He is. It's just that. Hartenstein does just enough of what Mitch does. And a lot that he doesn't. And I knew, and I knew that they would play better with him on the floor. I knew it. Now, I also told you that they'd be okay with Taj Gibson, but I did say, in fairness, I said after he got in shape. 
but they were terrible when he was playing. But I knew this about Hartenstein. I knew it. And Hartenstein's a free agent after this season. He's about to get Mitch Robinson's money. Mitch Robinson's money. He's about to. Maybe, maybe a little bit more. So can the Knicks afford to pay Mitch Robinson the money he's paying? He's on a declining deal. I think it's less than $15 million a year. It's actually a nice deal. But he's not coming back this year. So do you do you keep Mitch Robinson on the roster for the outside chance he's going to come back this year for the playoffs? Outside chance, number one. Number two, if he does come back, that means you're playing Mitch, you're playing him as a backup. You're not starting him over Hartenstein the way he's been playing. That means you would have played the whole season, presumably played well, and now you're going to upset the apple cart and put Hartenstein back on the bench? Does that, that doesn't make sense. I'm not saying that Tibbs wouldn't do it. I'm just saying it doesn't make sense. So he would be a backup. And that means he'd be playing for the second unit. Now, you know they're going to make a trade, but we can only go by what we have. You're playing with a second unit that's not playing well offensively. You're just going to make it a little bit worse. All I'm saying is, I love Mitch Robinson as much as anybody. But he's not as good at Hartenstein. He does not as good for this team as Hartenstein. And I told you this day. This is not recency bias. This isn't me just looking at a small sample size. I knew this already. I told you this. They're a better team with Hartenstein on the floor. I gave you Randall's numbers at the rim with Hartenstein on the floor. They're better. So can you afford to pay a backup center that much money? Can you? I, I'm not saying. I'm not saying. What do you do next year with Mitchell Robinson and Hartenstein? Do you really try to put Hartenstein back in the same role? Hartenstein's already talking like, "Yo, man, I, I'm I'll go anywhere." <laughs> he's he's already basically saying that. You're not keeping him on a sweetheart deal. He's, I mean, he might do the same declining contract stuff, whatever, but he wants to get paid. The Knicks don't have, they don't have the money to pay him what Mitch is being paid. They don't. If they want to get better this year, and I'm not saying they want to sell out this year. It doesn't seem like they want to sell out this year. But I don't think you, I don't believe in wasting opportunities. You have an opportunity. I don't believe, everyone keeps saying Philadelphia is better than the Knicks. And I'm not, I don't base things on one regular season game. I don't believe Philadelphia is that much better than the Knicks. I think they're a good team. I think they're beatable just like any or everyone else. The only difference between Philly and the Knicks is Joel Embiid. Oh, there's a big difference. Yeah, it hasn't been a big difference for Joel Embiid in the past. He's out in the second round. So that hasn't been the difference maker. It hasn't. That's just the facts. That's the facts. Now, Milwaukee, Milwaukee has issues. They can't even beat the Pacers. They can't beat the Pacers. You can't tell me the Knicks can't figure it out, especially if they improve. Especially if they improve. If they get another guy, you can't tell me that. So that's that leaves Boston. And Boston's the best team in the league. If the Knicks were able to get to improve the roster to just be in a playoff series with Boston with a chance, with a chance. Now, Boston needs to improve their depth. They're not perfect. With just a chance to beat Boston, just a chance to match up with them. If you can make a team that on paper is just as good as everyone else in the conference, that means you have a chance to get to the conference finals. And, and, and 
There are no guarantees once you get there. Once you get there, you're there. You don't have to be better than Boston to beat them. Miami proved that. So all I'm saying is don't waste the opportunity. And you got to make tough decisions, and you've seen the Knicks do it already with RJ and quickly. You got to make tough decisions. You might have to say goodbye to people that you don't want to say goodbye to. And the Knicks have to reduce their goofy index. Yeah, yeah, the goofy index. You know what the goofy index is? It's players who get offensive fouls on three and one fast breaks. It's players who don't pass to one of the best open jump shot shooters in the league when they're wide open in the corner. It's players who can't catch passes consistently. It's players who can't score unless they're one foot in front of the basket. That's what I mean. You got to lower the goofy index on the team. You're not going to be able to get rid of everybody. And I'm not saying get rid of them, but I'm saying you got to, if you can get a lot of what they do well for you and improve, you got to do it. And it's a tough decision. So if you got to move Mitch, move Mitch. If you got to move Mitch, move Mitch. Don't give him away. But if you got to move him, move him. And in this deal, I don't love Clint Capella. I don't love him. And he has another deal, another year on his deal at like $22 million. He's at $22 million this year, $22 million next year. I don't love him. So if you get Clint Capella, you're in a situation where, okay, now, now you have your center situation pretty good, pretty decent this year at the backup position and and um, the starting position. Pretty decent, pretty okay. Atlantis had one of the, the worst defenses in the league, and Capella has been one of the you know one of the anchors in that defense. I don't know if he's worth twenty two million dollars. No one else thinks he's worth twenty two million dollars. So you're bringing in a bigger deal than Mitch Robinson. You you probably want to pay Hartenstein. You don't want to go to war with Clint Capella. I don't think you do. I don't I don't see Clint Capella as being that impactful anymore. He was for a while. It doesn't seem like he is now. And he's getting paid twenty two million dollars. You don't want that. You don't want to be saddled with that. Not unless the next team that you want to trade with is willing to take him. And they might they might know that. But if you don't know that, you can't you can't bring in Clint Capella. You can do better than that. Don't trade Mitchell Robinson and his declining deal under $15 million to bring in Clint Capella, a worse player who does what he does. Now, he does give you more effectiveness around the rim offensively, but he's a worse player, and you got another year on a deal that nobody else wants. That's a toxic contract. It doesn't seem like a deal that the Knicks would make. I don't think they would have a problem trading Mitch Robinson. I just think they would have a problem bringing in a Capella who just seems like an overpaid player who doesn't do everything you need him to do at that position. And you're saddled with his contract for another year. But I think I, I wouldn't have a problem trading Mitch Robinson in a, in a deal. And bring in, you can bring in, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time at backup center. I don't think it's as significant as other people think it is. Um, make sure that guy is better than Precious Achua. That's all. And Precious is maybe getting a little bit of a bad rap right now because he's just 
just showed up on the team and the center position is pretty key to the defense, to Tibbs defense, and it asks a lot of that center in terms of rotations and responsibilities. And maybe he's not quite up to speed and he might be too small. He's too small to count on. So, yeah, you might have to bring another guy in here. Sure, but it doesn't have to be an expensive guy. And and I think Capella is a little too expensive. It's too pricey. And you're in a situation where Atlanta is trying to saddle you with Capella in order for you to get DeJounte. And uh, no, thank you. No, thank you. Let's talk about DeJounte for a minute. There's a lot of people that do not want DeJounte here. And for reasons that I don't necessarily agree with from a lot of folks, but some legitimate reasons, I'll say he's never been historically a great shooter, even though he's shooting better now. And there's a lot of reports that he's not the same type of defender that he used to be. A lot of talk in Atlanta on that front. I, I know that people talk about defense being just about effort. It's not just effort. Defense is not just effort. It's a lot of it, but you need effort in everything you do. Defense is also discipline, it's anticipation, it's recognition, recognizing who you're going up against, what they do, what they don't do, recognizing little little tendencies and subtleties in their game. In order to be that defender that he was, he had to have more than just effort. He had to have those other things. So unless you think he has physically lost a step, and I don't think that's the case with him, whatever defensive ability he had, I think he can rekindle. I just think it comes to a point when you're playing on a bad team that sometimes if defense is your strong suit, it is probably not going to be that strong suit anymore. Because you could play the best defense in the world But if you're not getting help on that screen, if you're not getting hedge and recover the way you're supposed to, then that guy's going to score. So why bust your rump about it? Now, you may not like that kind of attitude, but that's real. That's real talk. That's real talk. So I don't think DeJounte has lost his ability to defend. Now, some people are saying he's too small to guard bigger players. Well, I don't think he's any smaller than Josh Hart. Who's an effective defender. I don't think he's any smaller than DiVincenzo, who's been a relatively effective defender for the Knicks and not going to guard bigger players. The Knicks have a guy who can guard bigger players. But I do think he's going to be troublesome just enough at that position to bother just about anybody with his long arms and his defensive acumen. He's not making $40 million a year. He's not making $40 million a year. It's a a relatively manageable contract for what he can potentially do. Now, you might say, well, Atlanta thought they were going to get themselves a nice superstar backcourt with Trey and DeJounte. But I think the world is starting to realize that Trey Young is just not a winning player right now. So maybe, maybe that... It's more about Trey Young than it is DeJounte. And for the Knicks, the Knicks are in an entirely different situation. Depending on who they trade in this deal. And that's really where I kind of hesitate because you start to see. You trade it quickly and it now gives Grimes in theory a chance to blossom a little bit. And they have not. They have not 
captured that nearly as much as they could have in these four games, but you saw a little bit of it in Philadelphia. And with that little explosion towards the end of the game, I think it's too early to say with Grimes that you want to give up on him for a DeJounte. I'm on the fence about that. If it's the Grimes that you've seen all year, okay, bet. But Grimes would be the guy that I would not want to see on Atlanta. Like, I would not want to see Jaden Johnson and Grimes on the same team. And I I think that that's the deal. That, I think that's the deal. I think that's what it's going to be. It's going to be Grimes. In it. And now, maybe it's Mitchell Robinson. But I don't think, unless it's a three-team deal, I don't think Capella's coming back in that deal. And if you bring in DeJounte, you don't necessarily need Grimes. So he's he's going to go. And I just don't know if I want to trade Grimes for DeJounte. I just don't know if I want. I just don't know if I want to do that. Is it an upgrade? Yes. So if it's Grimes and Fournier and I don't know, Malachi Flynn or something like that for DeJounte Murray and, you know, two first round picks or something like that, I, I think you just got to do that. You got to do that deal. You got to do it. You got to. And when I say you don't bring Capella back, I don't think the Knicks are actually doing that, right? Like, I know the deal has been reported with Capella. I just, I don't think the Knicks are actually doing it. But I just think DeJounte, now, would I start DeJounte? I guess you, you'd have to start him, politics of it. But I'd rather bring DeJounte off the bench. I'd rather keep. I'd rather keep Devo in that starting lineup playing the way he's playing and and then let DeJounte be backup point guard only because I wouldn't want to break up a unit that's playing well. They're playing well with Devo, and Devo's playing well. Why would you break that up? They don't need more. If they've shown anything in these games, they don't need another guy to shoot the ball with the starting unit. At the end of the game, sure. Sure, but not the starting unit does not need another scorer. If they're playing on a better team and Jalen's having a poor game and Randall's having a poor game, something somebody else needs to step up, that's where you need that third guy. You don't need that third guy in the starting lineup. Don't Stop listening to these fools on the TV. You see how well Jalen and, and Randall are playing? They're playing outstandingly. They don't need a third guy looking for shots. They need a guy who's going to just chill and just be ready. And that's what Devo is. Now, that second unit, that second unit needs an offensive creator. They need an offensive player. So that's where he should be. Play him there. And then at the end of the game, of course, he's going to be in the game. Now you got another guy to score and make plays at the end. The other guy who's floating around is Malcolm Brogdon. And Malcolm Brogdon's making 25 mil, and he's got another year on his deal after this one. But Malcolm Brogdon is actually, because it might not cost as much, he's actually the perfect player. It's just that he's always hurt. He has another year in his deal, 25 mil. But DeJounte completely changes. DeJounte becomes the final piece. And I don't know if that's the final piece 
for the Knicks or not. I, I, it's hard for me to say. I think they are they're much, much better. I think DeJounte is much better than people are acting like right now. But I don't know if – I just don't know if trading Grimes is, is the best. I don't think the Knicks need another guy the entire game to shoot and score. I think they need another guy who's willing to step up when they need another guy. That's what that's what I think they need. If Malcolm Brogdon is healthy, he can be that guy. He also knows he's also a very good point guard. He's a smart defender. He's a good catch and shoot player. He's very efficient at basic aspects of basketball. You don't have to change the game. You don't have to force feed him the ball to score. He can play off of guys and be effective. He makes big plays. He's very solid and sturdy. He's playoff tested. There's a lot. And, and with Brogdon, you don't. You, if, if it turns out that you need a star, like, okay, Randall's really going to drop the ball here in the playoffs. You know, Brogdon will step up for you. You can play him alongside Brunson. But. If DeJounte fails in that role, you're stuck with DeJounte. If Brogdon fails in that role, you can still get your guy. Because DeJounte is going to cost you Grimes. He's going to cost you picks. And he has a contract that is just starting at $30 million a year. Not a terrible contract for what he could be. But if he, sh- if he drops the ball in that role, you are kind of stuck with him. And stuck in making that work. I'm not saying it's going to fail. I'm just saying it, it is. That's it. That's your final piece. That's what I meant when I said that. That's your final piece. You made your move and that's it. With Brogdon, it's not, it probably wouldn't cost as much. It shouldn't cost as much, frankly. And hey, if it doesn't work out, okay, you might. You might still be able to move him this summer, even though he has another year in this deal. He It might be a contract that you can move this summer. It might still. You know, it might, it's not as cheap as Fournier's contract, but he's still, he, he's, if, he's hell, if he plays, if he's not like falling apart and he actually plays, you can still move Malcolm Brogdon. It's not going to cost you a zillion dollars or a zillion assets and a zillion players, and you can bring him in, and he might actually solve the problem this year. You might not actually need him to do anything else this year and be just as good as you would have been with DeJounte. Because DeJounte, I think I I should put it like this. DeJounte's floor and Brogdon's floor are comparable. It's the ceilings that are different. And if you can't get to that ceiling, you're stuck with DeJounte as your core piece probably until the end of this run. Like your window is now DeJounte Murray. In my mind. Unless 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 the next team loves DeJounte and if he doesn't play well in here in New York, then that value is going to diminish. They might love him now, but they're not they might not love him if he wets the bed. So I think DeJounte is sexy. I think, let me pause that. There's an asset that if the Knicks get him, it might look good on paper. It might look good 
The ceiling looks, the ceiling is high, but if it falls, that's it for this window. It's like, it's like Bobby Mark said, the Knicks next move and the next move was OG, but it still applies. The Knicks next, next move can either make them title contenders or make them a middling franchise. Just one move can do that. And that's this next big one. So that's rolling the dice with DeJounte. I'm not sure if they should. And the other player I want to touch base on quickly is a player I talked about before, and that's DeRozan. And I think similar to Brogdon, DeRozan becomes a stopgap who may actually solve the problem you have this year, maybe to a, to a higher degree than even Brogdon, even though he's not a backup point guard. He is a shot creator still. But the commitment isn't long-term because he's a free agent, so it may not cost so much to get him. And it's maybe even a better option than Brogdon because you don't have him going into next year. Having Brogdon going into next year is great if he's healthy and he, and he plays well. It's not great if he's unhealthy or he doesn't play well. And DeRozan, if DeRozan comes in here and DeRozan wants to be here, if DeRozan comes in here and he plays well and he comes in and he's a free agent, now you have options. You have sign and trade possibilities. You can trade him at, I'm pretty sure I got to, I'm pretty sure you can trade him right up until the draft if you need to. So I think the Rosen, I told you he was trying out for the Knicks when the Bulls played and he shot those threes just for the Knicks. And if he can hit an open three, that's all the Knicks need from him. And like I said, it's more about the second unit than it is the starters, but you know, he's going to be in there at the end of the game. I'd rather, I'd rather roll the dice with DeRozan, and because he's a free agent, I don't care how old he is because it's not a long-term commitment, and hopefully that it shouldn't cost you grimes to get him. Shouldn't. I hope it doesn't. Shouldn't cost you a ton. And just like Brogdon, if you bring the guy in here, he might answer all your problems for the answer, more so than Brogdon because he's a primary scorer still. It all depends on what it, what it costs. And you bring him in here, and you don't have to give up that much. Boy, oh boy. It's going to be a nice, nice playoff run. DeRozan has a lot to prove. He's playing for a contract and everything. Mm. Mm-mm. That might be the answer now. He's going to hit a three-point shot. This is all about him hitting those threes. And DeRozan's not stupid. He came in here and shot those threes just for me and everybody else who questioned him. Anyway, that's it for this show. Ran over again, but make sure you follow at Sports Ethos on Twitter, at Ethos Knicks. Until next time. <laughs>